Our scripture reading this morning is from Ephesians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. scenario all right here's the scenario you're on a blind date now if you are married then maybe you'd better picture your first date (laughs) with your spouse but uh, you're on a blind date you're in a nice restaurant the lights are dim you can picture it conversations kind of muted we can just leave that on mute (laughs) and uh, sorry about that so you're there and everything's going pretty well and uh, you're feeling maybe a little bit of a connection even and then that date that you're with uh, all of a sudden they just break out with uh oh hang on (laughs) I'm having some technical difficulties today don't even know don't even know what to tell you Okay. What did they break out with? Alright, let's try this again. So you're at the restaurant, you're on the date, (laughs) and then all of a sudden, they sing out, I could show you the world, shining, shimmering, splendid. Tell me, princess, now when did you last let your heart decide? Kind of awkward, wouldn't it be? Name that Disney movie. Aladdin. Aladdin. All right. Okay. Now another one. Another scenario for you. You're in your cubicle at work. All right. Maybe you don't have a cubicle, so just picture if you did, I guess. And there's, you know, all these people working. There's sound. The copy machine's running. All this stuff's going on. Bunch of noise happening, staplers, tapping on keyboards, and all of a sudden, Jim Bob, four cubes down, belts out, You ain't nothing but a hound dog, crying all the time. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. And you're like, Oh, Jim, again. <sighs> that would be a little weird, too, right? It would disrupt the work environment. 
See, the thing is, singing is just kind of weird. I mean, honestly, I mean, that's why you sing in your shower and not in public. (laughs) It's why we sing in the car and not in public. And yet, we sing in church. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today is singing. And why do we do it? Something so weird. Uh, But before we get into that, welcome to our series on worship. And we've been talking about this subject of worship for a few days, and we've looked at different aspects of it. We've talked about how worship begins with God. All right, it all has its start with Him. And uh, we believe that because of who God is, God Almighty, the Creator of everything, He's worthy of our worship, period. Even if He had done nothing for us, He's worthy of our worship just by who He is. But the thing is, he also did do something for us, something quite extraordinary in giving his own son's life for us, that we could be reconciled with our God. So he's worthy not only because of who he is, but also because of what he's done. Then the next week, we talked a little bit about uh, worship with everything. We talked about God being a jealous God with the right kind of jealousy and a a God who's worthy of fear, worthy of respect and who demands that from us. And He wants not just a part of our life and not just our Sunday mornings, but our everything. And then lastly, we talked about, just recently, worshiping God together and the importance of unity, moving from you to unity from a bunch of individuals trying to live this Christian life as a solo and moving instead towards a, being more like a choir, singing in harmony with one another, living in harmony with one another. And so this week, now, we look at singing. That guy is crazy, isn't it? <laughs> we look at singing matters to God. And so it matters to us. And if you fill in your blanks, um, you should do that. Singing matters to God, and so it should matter to us. Not just listening to others singing, but actually singing. I missed my punchline with that last picture, if you were wondering what was going on with that. It's alright, I'll make a joke about it later. (laughs) But... I want to give you one more scenario. One more scenario. And this is, you're in a darkened room with a dozen men who've become like brothers after traveling together for about three years. And the leader of this group looks them straight in the eyes and he tells them that one of them is going to betray him that very night. And he picks up some bread and he says, this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. And he picks up a cup and he says, this is my blood that's going to be spilled for you. And for the forgiveness of many. And then he starts singing. And they all start singing. Wait a second. What? I mean, we know this story, right? It's the upper room with the disciples. Right before, uh, it's the last Passover meal they shared together before they went to the garden. And the garden is where Jesus prayed and sweated the drops of blood. And then from there he was betrayed and crucified. 
the upper room scene that they make paintings of, like this one. We know the story. So what's this singing business? In Matthew 26, 30, we read that they sang psalms, or songs that they would have sung back then. They didn't have, they didn't necessarily sing what we know today as hymns uh, or praise songs, and that they sang psalms. But you can read those psalms in the book of Psalms that we have, 150 of them. But they sang together before they went out to the garden. Did you realize that? What in the world? Why would they choose such an awkward moment, <laughs> such an awkward thing to do in that moment as singing? I mean, just honestly, singing can be a little bit awkward, especially in some settings. And in some smaller settings, it tends to be more awkward than in big settings. If everybody in a huge stadium is singing, well, you just join right in. But in a small room, in an intimate setting, it can be a little bit strange. So why, in that moment, just before his betrayal, just before all that would take place, were they singing? I think there's a lot of reasons, but I think some of those reasons can be found in the passage that we read together from Ephesians just a few moments ago, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he talks about being led, being filled by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, in singing, in speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing and making music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God in everything. Submit one another, submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. And so, what I want to do over the next few moments is we're going to look at three different things from that. Three different things about singing, which I think may be reasons why it was very appropriate that Jesus and the disciples sang before they left that upper room. And not only that, why it's important for us to sing. The first one is singing together is supernatural. This is another one of your blanks. Supernatural. Sometimes we relegate supernaturalism to movies, right? It only ha- doesn't happen in real life. But uh, we forget sometimes that we're talking about a God who is supernatural. And His Holy Spirit that is spiritual and supernatural. And Paul, as we just looked at in that passage in Ephesians, actually says that The church's singing is led by the Holy Spirit, resulting from His filling in our lives. So by its very nature, it's supernatural. Not only that, when the church sings, being led by the Holy Spirit, amazing things happen. Life-altering miracles, battles won, chains loosed, hearts softened, victories achieved. There's a history of this even in Scripture. In uh, the Old Testament, there's a story of the people, Israel, uh, they had gotten some bad news that this neighboring armies, multiple armies, were all gathered together and coming up against them to wipe them out. And they didn't have the forces to match. And so the king at that time, I believe, was Jehoshaphat. And he came and he prayed to God, got on his knees and said, what are we going to do? Well, he gathered up the people after hearing from God that 
God said, hey, I've got this under control. You just go out there and I'll take care of it. So what did the people do? He had them start singing. And all the way out there to the battlefield, they sang songs of praise to God. You can find this story in 2 Chronicles 20, if you ever want to go look at it. And when they got there, what did they find? They found that God had already taken care of it. And the armies were already wiped out there on the battlefield before they even showed up. Crazy things happen when God's people sing, being led by the Spirit. Another one happens in the New Testament. We read about the Apostle Paul. He was often persecuted for sharing his faith. And we read about, you probably, if you've been around the church long, you've probably heard the story about Paul and Silas being locked up in chains, right? They're locked up in prison because they were preaching the gospel and they had told them not to, so they locked them up in there for preaching the gospel or the good news about Christ. And they're locked up in there, and what are they doing but singing and praying? And if you're familiar with the story, all of a sudden, something like an earthquake happens and the chains fall off and the prisoners are set free. Not only that, the jailer ends up being led to Christ along with his family. Crazy things happen when God's people sing. Can't explain it, it's supernatural. And probably in your own life, you can think of a time, if you've been in the church long, if you've sang very much with the church, you can probably think of a time when singing changed your life. Maybe it wasn't a huge life-altering moment, or maybe it was. But maybe it was just that it made a difference in your life. It's a supernatural thing. Singing has the power to do more than just create some music that goes up into the air. It seems to be supernatural. So why did this matter to the disciples that night? Well, think about what they were about to face. They were about to, in a sense, go into battle. Like the Israelites had long before. And so doing something so spiritually powerful as singing praise to God kind of makes sense in light of that. For us today, maybe we need to be reminded that our battle is not against flesh and blood and militaries and armies. Our battle as the church is against powers of darkness, against hell itself. We battle sin. We battle against our desires that don't match up with the ways of God. And every week we have a chance to join here with God's church and engage in something that's spiritually powerful called singing. And that's the kind of power that we need for this Christian life. Another point, another reason that maybe the disciples engaged in singing that night and that we should also sing is that singing together keeps our eye on the ball keeps our eye on the ball that's another one of your blanks who is it that we sing to in the passage that we read earlier Paul says that through these songs we should speak to one another. In another very, very, very similar passage that he wrote to the church in Colossia, the, the Colossian church, very similar passage, 
he said kind of the same thing, but he used the words admonish and teach through song. And in both cases, he talks about being thankful to God. And I think that there's a part of this where singing together kind of challenges, it refocuses us as a church. It reminds, we remind one another of who this is all about, who this life is all about, who deserves the credit, who deserves the thanks. What is all this for anyway? And in singing praises to God, we remind one another when we sing together. We refocus. Yes, the world is being dragged all over the place, but we're focusing in on what is most important. Why did this matter to Jesus and the disciples that night in that upper room? Well, I think, again, going into what they were about to go into, maybe they needed that moment to refocus. I had thought about this even. Could it be that those songs that they sang in that upper room were exactly what gave Jesus the refreshing refocus that he needed to go into that garden and to pray, yes, God, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Because that's what singing does for us. It refocuses us. It gets our eyes off of us and our issues and our circumstances and it puts our eyes on God. Jesus, you know, on the, on the cross, he actually quoted from a psalm. And he quoted the first line of it, which was a way of referencing the whole psalm. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22. See, the, their psalms weren't numbered like ours. So instead of saying, he wouldn't say Psalm 22 from the cross. He just, kind of like our hymns often are titled by the first line of a hymn. So... Maybe they even sang that psalm and it was fresh on his mind. Interesting. But for us today, surrounded again by a world who tries to give the, God, the credit that God is due to all sorts of things. And tries, we're pulled, we're seduced by signs and advertisements and even our phones nowadays by this world saying, hey, worship this, worship that, worship power, worship money, worship prestige. Even worship good things like family or security or church even. But things that aren't worthy of our worship because only God is. And we're pulled by all these things week in, week out. And so singing together, doing that, refocuses us. It keeps our eye on the ball. We're reminded, hey, we're different than this world. We worship God and worship God alone. The third thing it does, singing together fosters unity. The last thing that Paul said in that passage we read, he said, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. This really gets back last week when we were talking about worship together, moving from you to unity. And this is the Christian ideal, unity. It forces us, singing actually forces us, it's like unity practice. 
in a sense. It forces us to get on the same page for a moment. Think about uh, what we do when we sing together. We're all saying the same words at the same time, hopefully. (laughs) Most of the time. We are focused on a common goal. Everybody in the room is focused on that goal of singing those words, that melody. Here's another thing it does. We're all being vulnerable and getting over it. Because here's the deal. When you sing, you're just being vulnerable. That's why I have such respect for the people who sing on stage. Because they're putting their voice over a microphone. The good, the bad, and the ugly. (laughs) And it's out there on display for everyone to judge and criticize if they wanted to. And, uh, but even sitting in your seats. You've got people next to you. You've got, I mean, maybe it's your spouse and you don't care. <laughs> but maybe it's a boyfriend and you do care. Or maybe it's uh, someone you don't normally sit by. And, well, what are they going to think of the way I sing? Or maybe someone who's a really good singer sat by you this week. And you're like, oh my goodness, I better keep it quiet and just listen to them. Because they're really good and I'm not. So, when we all sing together, we're, really, we're being vulnerable and getting over it together. And that is a unifying thing. And this is really neat. I got this from a, a, something a neuro, neurobiologist. I do good to even say the word. A neurobiologist wrote. Uh, she's a doctor named Susan Berry. And I found this online. I thought it was a neat. It was an article she wrote about singing. And this is, this is science. This doesn't have to do with... Um, she wasn't even talking about a church choir when she wrote this. But... She's just talking about what happens when we sing together. Singing dictates when we breathe, she says. And this coordinated breathing strengthens the relationship between our respiration and our heart rate. There's a relationship between the two. How you breathe affects your heart rate. Okay. So, not only... Is this relationship enhanced in a given singer? But all the singers together synchronize their breathing as they sing. And thus, they coordinate. It also correlates with the beating of their hearts. So, read that again. But all the singers together synchronize their breathing and thus synchronize the changes in the beating of their hearts. And as we sing in unison... We all breathe together, speed up and slow down our hearts together. No wonder music is so powerful and is shared by people everywhere. A neurobiologist. So it literally creates unity when we sing together. Why would this matter to Jesus and the disciples that night? I was just thinking that right after this moment they go to the garden... And from the garden, as Jesus is betrayed, it says they scattered. They went all over the place. Fear took over. But that's not the end of the story. I think that the, the unity that they forged in singing those songs, because I sincerely doubt that's the only time they sang together. The unity they forged there lasted because a few days later a few weeks later in a similar room 
in a similar place, maybe even the same room for all we know. Those disciples gathered again, and this time the Holy Spirit came, and they began to preach and to speak, and people became saved, and what is known now as the church began. And they were unified again. For us today, we're called to unity, but churches often are some of the most ununified places that you can find, unfortunately. Not our church, of course. (laughs) Never our church, right? But those other churches out there, sometimes they're not very unified. And so they disagree over things, whether it's the music style or which kind of flowers ought to be out in which season. But, and over important things sometimes too, like theology and doctrine and whatever. But, man, sometimes we've got to get past all that and we desperately need singing to help us do it. Singing helps us get back on the same page for a few moments. And all agree on something together and all agree in something together. It helps us to practice unity. And so it's good. So, to sum it up, singing together is supernatural. It changes lives. Singing together keeps our eye on the ball and reminds us of who it's all about. And singing together fosters unity in the church so that we can accomplish God-sized dreams together. But before I just leave you with all that, I want to discuss some excuses that that I've just heard before about singing. Because all this is well and good, but some of you are thinking, okay, that's nice. You guys go ahead and sing. Do your singing thing. Sounds nice. Sounds good. But here's the deal. Uh, Here's just a few. Maybe I bet you if you don't like to sing, one of these will hit you. But I don't sing that well is one of them that you hear. I don't sing that well, so I don't sing. But Paul, when he said, uh, you know, he didn't leave a lot of wiggle room for us. He just said, sing. And uh, he didn't say, sing if you sing pretty. He just said, sing. I kind of, this is just a theory I have, but, you know, Peter, the Apostle Peter, he was one of those kind of brash kind of guys, you know, didn't always have the most tact and that kind of thing. And I kind of just have a theory that he's probably one of those guys that didn't have a pretty singing voice, but still just blared it out, you know, and everyone else in the room is thinking, would Peter just quiet down a little bit? We might get somewhere with this song. (laughs) I just kind of think maybe he was one of those guys. I don't know. Just a theory, just a hunch. So that's not an excuse. Not an excuse. The next one, I just don't enjoy singing. And I get that. There are some people who just don't enjoy singing. But I'm kind of afraid that you're out of luck. (laughs) Because it seems that we serve a God who does very much enjoy singing. He talks about it all the time. If you open up the Bible, he's talking about singing from the beginning to the end. The earliest books of the Bible to the very last one. There's even songs in the Bible. Lots of them. Hundreds. So, he even says that he himself sings over us. So, you may not like singing, but again, this is about 
worshiping God, and he seems to like it quite a bit. So we're just going to have to tough it out, I guess. Also, along these lines, you know, guys, I think, a lot of times struggle nowadays with singing more than anybody, it seems. And, uh, I mean, you can just tell when you look up here, and and Gene was the only guy up here today, I think. So high five, Gene. (laughs) But that's true everywhere. (laughs) I have to work Gene into a message every time, it seems like. Okay, I'll stop you. You'll take, you'll take September off. How about that? <laughs> so, uh, but I've noticed that you go to any church, and, and the guys tend to be the minority up there. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it, singing has gotten an unmanly rap or something, but just in case it has, just food for thought here. Perhaps the most famous singer in the Bible was King David and apparently he had a beautiful singing voice and, and uh, was a singer-songwriter before they even called him singer-songwriters he was a musician and a singer he sang for the king so you know he had to be good and he wrote tons of songs now this was a guy who could kill you with his pinky just by <laughs> with, with all the rest of his arms tied behind his back I guess you only have two arms but tie his right arm behind his back and I mean this guy he was a warrior of warriors he was as tough as the tough I mean you can watch your movies about Batman or whatever but <laughs> this guy could do Batman in I'm telling you he was tough he, I mean look at some of the exploits that he did single handedly going out and just wiping people, the Philistines and all. I mean, took out, as a kid, took out a giant. All right. The guy was a fearsome, as fearsome a dude as there is. Fiercer than probably any two of us put together, I would say. And he liked to sing. So that just kind of ruins the whole it's not manly thing. Just wanted to get that out of the way. And the last excuse I've got for you is you just don't sing the stuff I'm comfortable with. And this can strike any, any body, any generation, any culture. The thing is, we're a mixed group of people. And everyone in this room has a slightly different musical preference. Some of you prefer Gaither songs, and some of you prefer the old hymns, and some of you prefer to sing with shape notes, and some of you prefer to not know what a shape note is. <laughs> some of you prefer to have the words on the screen, and some of you prefer to have them in your hymn books, and some of you prefer neither. And that's what it's like. I mean, we're just a divert. That's what the church has been and always has been. I mean, it's, everything's always been like that. People just have different preferences. That's life, and that's just part of being in a big group of people. And while we're going to continue to strive as a church to offer a variety, because we've got a variety of people, we've got young folks and older folks, and we've got people with musical preferences here and there, and so... We'll try to hit as much as we can. But, ultimately, we're never going to satisfy everybody fully, right? And that's part, that's where the unity thing comes in. And the being subject to one another comes in. And just saying, hey, it's not about me. It's about God. And it's about all of us gathering together to give Him the credit that He deserves. Because as I've been saying, I think every week... When we make worship about us, we get it all wrong. And when we make worship about us, it becomes about our preferences 
and what we prefer and we'll never be satisfied no matter where we go because we'll never find the church that we run <laughs> completely by ourselves because then it's not a church anymore it's just you and so when we make church about God instead that fixes the perspective it puts it in right perspective because the focus isn't us anymore it's God and it's about all of us worshiping him together so singing matters not just listening to other people sing but actually singing matters last week we looked at a passage from Romans chapter 15 and I want to kind of say it over us as a blessing today as a sort of a prayer It says, Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for us today.